You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Greater things don't just happen out of nothing. They happen because we did something. And we're going to start this morning by saying greater things will happen when we listen. Your bulletin says he is the God of this city. Well, he is the God of this city and greater things will happen. A key to that happening is the way we listen. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 4 and we'll read the parable of the sower. Very well-known parable. It's a parable about a farmer who sows some seed. Jesus took everyday examples. They would have all understood it. We probably don't have a lot of farmers here in the crowd this morning. But we probably got gardeners. We have some people that plant seeds. We understand the principle. When they sowed the seed then, they would have it in a, the seed in a bag. Or sometimes even put the seed on the back of a donkey and with some holes cut in the bag. And they would take the donkey along. The seed would fall off. And, and some of it would fall on hard ground. Some would fall where there were thorns. And it would fall on different types of soil. And our Lord took this parable to teach him principles about the kingdom. And one of the keys in this parable, this story, is the principle of listening. Mark chapter 4, verse 3, the first sentence is a very short sentence. One word with an exclamation mark. Jesus starts us off by saying, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. I don't know how Jesus would have said it exactly, but I imagine he would have said it something like this. Listen, listen. It was warm, it was inviting, it was full of life. Listen. Then he went on to say, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So it sounds like a lot of this parable has to do with listening. The disciples come back later on. They say, you know what? I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, Jesus, we don't really get this. What is this about? Like, what does this have to do with the kingdom? Can you explain this to us? And the Lord starts to explain it to him. And a lot of what he has to say has to do with the principle of listening. So from this parable, we find there's four ways that you can listen to God. Number one, the first way you can listen to God, you can listen to God with selective hearing. Out of Mark chapter 4, verse 15, when he goes on to explain it, some people are like seeds that are planted among, along the road. Whenever they hear the word, Satan comes at once and takes away the word that was planted in them selective hearing that's the blank you want to put in there is the word selective now the problem wasn't that they were listening they were listening the problem is that they were listening selectively and we can do that i have no idea how you're listening this morning you could be doodling on your paper but really listening or you could be saying amen and you're not listening at all you're actually in hawaii still you really enjoyed your time there and you're still on the beach there you could be looking at me but actually you're thinking about business deal tomorrow or you're thinking about where am i going to go for lunch because it's already 12 o'clock on the nose my stomach is hungry and i'm ready to go for lunch so maybe you're thinking about that i don't know where your mind is i don't know how you're listening god would be the only one who could probably really tell so you can listen selectively You can look at a speaker and say, oh, you know what? I think I'll close my mind today. I'll close my listening off. I'll look at him, but I'm not really listening. Did your mom ever tell you, you know what? It goes in one ear and out the other ear. You didn't listen to me. You didn't hear me at all. I've had that happen to me. You know, my wife will tell me something. She said, you weren't listening, were you? 
Uh, no, the hockey game was on. Sorry. I was uh, kind of catching, see whether or not uh, they scored or not. I, so I wasn't really listening. But so you can, you can listen selectively. We can look at a person and say, you know what? I don't know if I can hear what that person has to say. Uh, they're too young. They're too old. They're, they're a woman. What could I hear from a woman? They're a man. What could I hear from the man? They're, they're not wearing a suit and tie. I don't know if I can receive from them because they don't have a suit and tie on. I don't know if I can re- hear from them because they're not dressed casual. They're not relevant. And, or you could say, you know what, they're, they're too big. They're too small. And, uh, you have all the, or you could say, Mark chapter 4, Pastor, I've read that before. I've taught that before. I know that. I'm going to tune out for the next 40 minutes because I know all there is to know about Mark chapter 4. And you're somewhere else right now. So you can listen selectively. Now, Jesus said, if you listen this way with a closed mind, with a hard mind, the seed lands on it, but it doesn't bear any fruit. Always amazes me how you can have two people sit in the same pew, sit in the same row, come to the same church, and get the same teaching for the same number of months or number of years. And one year later, you'll see them growing and soaring and flourishing in their family, flourishing in their home and, and flourishing in their finances. Every part of their life, they're enjoying the abundant life of Christ. And the next person is just flatlined or nosediving. You're wondering, what, what gives? They both heard the same thing. One's growing and going. The other one's drying up. So much of it has to do with the way we listen. Where you are today, now this might hurt a little bit, but where you are today in your life is highly related to the way you listen. Because the way you listen is the way you live, and the way you live is the way you're blessed. If we live our whole life going, try to teach me something, well, there's no fruit in your life. You can come to church this morning and say, why? I sure hope Joe's here. Where's Joe here this morning? Joe, I hope Joe gets this because he's, he's always texting in the service. He doesn't get anything. Or you can look around and say, I hope Susie's here. Or you can hope somebody else is there. But say, oh, Lord, are you speaking to my heart? What are you saying to me? So one way to listen, we can listen with selective hearing where we close it off and we don't hear what God's saying to us. Sometimes say, you know, I like this. I'll take that, but hmm, don't like that. That's really out of my comfort zone. That's very personal. I don't want to change that. So I think I'll just leave that alone. We selectively hear. Secondly, Jesus was telling us through this parable that you can listen with shallow hearing. Mark chapter 4, 16 and 17, other people are like seeds that were planted on rocky ground. Whenever they hear the word, they accept it at once with joy, but they don't develop any roots They last for a short time when suffering or persecution comes along. Because of the word, they immediately fall from faith. This is shallow listening, emotional listening, cloudy. They they heard a truth. They get excited about it. Yeah, this is so good. I like it. Yeah, I love it. Yes, yay. And they, they receive with great joy, it says. They're getting really excited about it. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, Jesus is coming back. I heard that message. There's signs that he will come back. He, he went up in the cloud. He's coming back. Yes, hallelujah, Jesus is coming back. They go to work, and they said, where were you on the weekend? Oh, I went to church. He went to church. What did they talk about? Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah, he's coming back in the clouds. They go, what? Are you nuts? Jesus coming back in the clouds? Where did you get that? Oh, I went to church. Are you crazy? Jesus coming back to the cloud. What, what planet are you from? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just 
just heard it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make it. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was just kind of silly. I, 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 I. Shallow. Shallow listening. Not rooted. The writer of Hebrews said, be rooted. Rooted in these truths. The elementary principles be rooted. Why do we keep running Alpha? Why do we have Bible school? Why do we have home groups? Because if it's just shallow listening, shallow Christianity, the first little sign of persecution for the word's sake, the first time you challenge and you go, oh, yeah. But when you take God's word and you study it and you meditate on it and you, and you think about it and you discuss it and like we do in Elf or in a Bible school setting or in your home group or in your home, yes, please, your home, that word takes root, and it produces fruit. So you can listen with shallow hearing. That's one of the reasons we hand out notes. And they do make a great place to write up your shopping list, but they're more than for your shopping list. And the whole reason for the handout is it helps us to retain what we've heard. It helps us to go beyond shallow listening and into an embracing type of listening where the word can take root in our lives. This is why we do it in our home groups, why we take these notes and go over it in our home groups, because we study it some more. We're trying to get the seed into the soil, not listening like this type of a listener, shallowly. That's why I encourage parents. When you go home and with the family, what did you think about today? This was discussed. What did you think about it? God told Joshua to meditate on this word day and night. Go over it. Meditate is like a cow chewing its cud. You, you bring it up and you chew on it again. That puts the seed in your heart. It's the way you listen. Truths, these principles, will bear fruit in your life, but it's so highly related to the way you listen. And this morning, I can't tell if you're listening or not. I mean, there's a few signs, but you could. I, I know my kids, they've been in church and they've been doodling and drawing. I thought, you know, they didn't get anything out of it. But they, they can tell me everything that was said. It's amazing. The next person goes, hallelujah, amen, they're nodding. and They'll say, that was a great message, Pastor. What did I preach on? I don't know, but it sure was good. <laughs> so you can't really always tell how people are listening. But God can tell. It's a heart thing, the way you receive it, the way you embrace that word and put it inside you. The third way we can listen, we can listen. We start off with selective. We started off with Shallow number two. Number three, we can listen stressed out. Stressed out hearing. Cluttered, distracted, anxious. Mark 4, 18 and 19. Other people are like seeds planted among thorn bushes. They hear the word. Now watch this. But the worries of life, what are you worried about this morning? If you have a lot of worries this morning and you're thinking about them while you're listening, the principles won't go to work in your life. The worries of life, the deceitful pleasures of riches, and the desire for other things take over. They choke the word so that it can't produce anything. Folks, we live in a world that's got a lot of things, right? I've had people come to us. They've moved here from Africa, or they've moved here from Asia. They've moved here from Nepal, another country maybe that doesn't have as many things as we do here. They tell us it was easier for me to live out my Christian faith in my other country where there weren't so many things, where there wasn't so many opportunities. It actually gets crowded out for me here. It was simpler. Life was easier. But I find that it chokes a word because there's so many things, so many opportunities, and there's a deceitfulness in it. 
God doesn't mind us having things. He doesn't mind us having the riches, all those wonderful things. He just doesn't want us to choke the word out of our lives. He clutters it. My computer, my sons had to help me with this. Others have had to help me with it. Because when I work on my computer, I like to have every application open possible. So I'll have PowerPoint open, I'll have Word open, I'll have my Bible program open, I'll have the Safari open, and I won't just have Safari, I'll have Firefox open, you know, I have to have them, i got my contacts open, I have these, all these applications open. And then every once in a while, my program will crash, I go, you know, what's with this, how come this, it's supposed to be stable, this is a Mac, it's not supposed to go down, and go, how many, you can't do this, you got every application open, no wonder something's giving. And so it is with our life. If you're here today and you got every file open, I don't know how many files you got open, but it's a good thing when you come to church is just to click off all the other files, close the other boxes, and you have your God box open, your God file open, and the clutter's gone, the distraction's gone. And that you can listen better when the distractions are gone. The seed gets inside your heart and you bear fruit. You could be here this morning, you could be making up your to-do list, you could be, you could be, you know, you can be sleeping, you can be... <laughs> I always think church this is a lousy place to sleep. There's a lot of noise going on, and I, I, it's not the pews aren't that comfortable, you know. So, uh, not that we have people sleeping, but I just it's just a thought. <laughs> Stressed out, cluttered, other things going on. Number four, fourth way to listen. This is all, by the way, vertical listening. Do we want to see greater things happen in our lives? Yes. Do we want to see greater things happen in our city this year? Yes. Do you want to see greater things happen in your family? Of course we do. How will greater things happen? When will God be God of the city? How does that happen? We can sing about it. We can talk about it. But one of the keys for that to happen is we must listen. First of all, listen to God and also listen to others. How do we listen to God? We got to listen not selectively, not shallow, not stressed out, all cluttered. We have to listen with a steadfast ear, steadfast listening, which is attentive, embracing, applying what you learn, committed, teachable. You put in the word that you'd like. But that type of a listening, he described it in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Others are like seeds planted on good ground. They hear the word. But it's not just hearing it, it's what you do with the word. They hear the word, they accept it. Another translation says they embrace it. Embrace it. They, they pull it in. And it produces crops, 30, 60, or 100 times as much as was planted. Ooh. See, we've heard that so many times. Does it get you excited? Think about it. What you're hearing this morning will, will be replicated in your life 30-fold, 100-fold more. If you take God's word about peace and you put it into your heart, you embrace it, it will produce 100-fold more peace in your life. If you take God's word about joy, you meditate on joy, you think about it, you embrace it in your heart, there will be a hundred times more joy in and around through your life. A hundred, even 30 times is a good deal. A hundred times more than the seed that was inside you. Folks, it really works. It really works. You take this spiritual seed, 
you have a spiritual heart, you put it in there, it's soil, it grows. And I didn't make this up. Jesus said it. If you will embrace it, there will be a hundred times more fruit in your life. Yesterday, we attended a funeral of a great man. David was there, and my wife was there, some others. And it was an amazing funeral of a man who embraced the truth. We listened to his grandkids with tears talk about their opa. We listened to the kids talk about their, 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 their father. We listened to a story of a man with a legacy of, of richness, how the community said if he was on the job site, we didn't have to worry about supervising it. It was integrity. It was family. It was joy. It was a hundredfold and many, maybe more than what was put in his heart. And I looked at that. I thought, this guy has had to have listened and embraced the truth. Folks, that's our lives. What's our prayer for Coastal Church? That we would have a hundredfold in our life. But first of all, it's this vertical thing of how we listen. We've got to watch our attitude. We've got to be careful how that works because it can cripple us from hearing what God's saying to us. It's good to prepare your heart when you come to church, you hear God's word. Actually, you should start to prepare yourself the night before. If you stay out till 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, you watched a good movie and you had popcorn and then you went for pizza and then you, then you stayed up late and watched another movie and you kind of slept in and you go, oh, I better go to church. What time is it? You know, I've got to ease my conscience. Yeah, I've got to do this. I'm going to get there. Miss Worship, slip in for the preaching and, and grab a Tim Hortons coffee when I leave. I, and I did my church. No, that's, that's shallow listening at best. You've got to prepare your heart. Get ready the night before. When you hear it today, what are you going to do with it at lunchtime? Tuck it away. Not think about it till next week. Hope I get something else that tickles my ears next week. Or you say, you know what? I'm going to take this. Digest it. I'm going to make Mark chapter 4 part of my devotions this week. I'm going to read it again. I'm gonna, I want to talk about it in home group. I want to I review this. I want to get this in my life. Then it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in your life. Ah, so how do we listen to God? Well, we don't want to do the selective way. We don't want to do the shallow way, stressed out. We want to listen with a steadfast heart. Listening will reveal the secrets. Mark 4, 22, there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. There is nothing kept secret that will not come to light. Nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Let me ask you a question. What will reveal what's hidden? What will reveal the secret? Listening. What, what's the mystery in your life today? Do you have a mystery in your business? Is there something in your business? I can't figure this out. There's, I, I've hit a wall somewhere here. I can't seem to increase the cash flow. I can't seem to increase the number of customers that come to this, this store. Or maybe I've hit, a, I've hit a wall in my place of employment. I can't seem to get ahead here. It seems like there's a ceiling over my head. I, I can't seem to get past this. I've hit a wall. There's a secret. There's a mystery here. I don't get it. What will reveal it? Listening. Listening vertically. Listening horizontally to others. It reveals secrets. In your family, is there, is there a mystery? Is there a secret in your family? Is there, is there a piece missing in your marriage? A piece missing in 
your relationships. Maybe listening will be one of the keys to reveal what's hidden. Listening. Earlier, uh, well, in 2000, last year, October, I had the privilege of going to Bethlehem. And part of my studies, I picked up a piece of pottery there. And this little piece of pottery, I keep in my bathroom as a reminder because I never wanted to forget what happened there, what this place did, and to know that it's possible in Vancouver. In Bethlehem, there's a man by the name of Mitri Rahab. And I'll put his picture up for you. Uh, Mitri changed Bethlehem, and he did it by listening. He's the pastor of Christmas Lutheran Church. Doesn't that sound like a fun place? Christmas Lutheran Church. And he has all kinds of other ministries there out of that church now. He presently employs, he's the second largest employer of all of Bethlehem. I know it's not that big a town, but he's the second largest employer. But what happened to him was he began to listen to the people. It's, it's a troubled area if you've been to Bethlehem today. It's, it's a troubled area. And he had the teens go out and he said, go pick up the glass that you find on the street. So they went and they picked up the glass and they brought it back. And then he said, no, let's take that glass and like these windows, let's, let's put the glass together. And they made a cross out of it. They made a dove out of it. They made different things out of it. And from the broken pieces on the street, they began to bring wholeness. When he asked the kids, he says, what's going on in your life? These teens whose parents have died in war and the tragedy. He says, what's going on in your life? The pain was too deep for them to talk. But when they began to make pottery, when they began to make these little figures and artifacts out of broken glass, it acted as a bridge for them to express what was in their heart. Their poetry, their songs, their pottery began to tell them about the hurt that was in their life. And he began to listen to the people. He had graduated from seminary in Germany, well-educated, his doctorate degrees and all the rest of it. But all the doctorate degrees in the world won't help you if you don't listen to the people. So he just got his ear to the ground and he listened to the people and said, what are you saying? And today... If you go to Bethlehem, you'll find that it's flourished. There's a restaurant that he has, one of the nicest restaurants in town. There's a bed and breakfast. There's a cultural center. There's now a college there with degrees in fine arts, filmmaking. Uh, there's a wholeness center. They teach you how to live healthy. One of the finest spas and swimming pools in the Southwest Bank. When we were there, the night prior, a thousand young people, which might be all the young people in Bethlehem, I don't know, they lined up outside the street because they wanted to get in to see a movie that he was showing there. The police had to turn away young people to come to the church in Bethlehem. It's an oasis in a worn, torn part of the world. How did it start? What did he do? He listened. He listened to God and he listened to others. I don't know how God's going to use us to help bring change to the city. We have ideas. It'll unfold as we go. But one thing I know is required. We have to listen. God wants to change your family. He wants to change your business. He wants to bring greater things into your life. But I promise you one thing that we will have to do is be good listeners. James said, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Listen. Another example of a man who changed his city by listening is a guy by the name of Bill Strickland. And I'm using pottery as an example this morning because he, too, was into pottery. I'll put his picture up for you. We went to Pittsburgh to visit him, so I grabbed a picture with him. And he gave us a piece of pottery. This is one of his works. And he's an artist, uh, a fantastic artist. 
he started making pottery as a kid in school. He didn't want to be with the gangs in the worst part of Pittsburgh, so he went into and met a teacher that was making pottery, listened to jazz and made pottery. He was hurt like so many other youth on the street, but somebody started to listen to him. He began to express himself through pottery. And then he, he got some money together, got a grant, and he, he had a little Manchester guild. He called the Craftsman Guild, and he brought other teens off the street, and they did pottery, listened to jazz. He began to listen to them. They began to share what was in their heart, their hurts. And today, he's got a list of awards. He's changed their city. Last year, he was Pittsburgh Man of the Year. 40,000 square feet where they grow some of the finest orchids in the world and export it around the world. He loves jazz, so he started encouraging the music in that community. Their first CD, Catch This One at a Grammy Award. They've won many Grammys since. He, he teaches them to express themselves, but through it, he's listening to them. What are they saying? He's listening to those that are laid off work, at-risk youths, listening to them. But that's not all he's listening to. He's going to the businessman and he's saying, what do you need? He went to Bayer, the people that make your aspirin. He says, what do you need? They said, well, you know, we get these graduates at a university and they put all this stuff in a box. They give them a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and then they send them to us and we hire them. But we only need like 5% of what they put in the box. The rest of it we can't use. So then we retrain them and we put them to work and we finally have something takes us a while to train him. He said, well, what if I took at-risk youth? What if I took people that were laid off work and I trained them exactly to your specifications and then you had them to work in your, in your company? Would you like that? They said, oh, yeah, I would like that. He said, okay, good. Well, then you buy all the, all the equipment for the lab. We want you, the top chemistry equipment there is, so they supplied it all. 52-week course, you come to his course, you take the course. While you're there, he teaches you the best in chemistry. And these are people that didn't know chemistry. They trained him, they taught him. And then he says, now, it's not just going there and do your, the chemical work, your titrations and all the rest of it. You have to know how to work at a company. He's listening to them. He says, what else do you want? You don't want them just to know something about chemistry. What do you want? So, oh, there's a lot of things we want. Not just coming and showing up at work. And so they posted, they have this posted throughout their building. I'll put it up. I just took a picture of it. It's not the best quality, but you'll get the idea. He listened to them. He said, well, we want people to come to work every day on time. We want them to make smart decisions, follow directions, concentrate on their work, care, recognize problems, find solutions. We want them to be honest, dependable, take lead, work hard, communicate well, get along with others, people, especially customers. We want them to dress properly. We want them to practice good grooming, to be cooperative, have a positive attitude. They see this every day they show up. And when they come to that course for 52 weeks, if they don't practice that, they're out of the course. Zero tolerance. Because he says in the real world, that he says, when you go to university, they don't do this to you. If you don't show up for class, that's your problem. But in my course, he says, you don't come back. Because when you go to work for these, custom, for, for these companies, this is what they're wanting. They don't just want you to show up with your degree. They want you to show up with a work attitude, with work ethic. And so we'll train it for them. Guess what happens? He graduates these people. He's listened to the people on the street. He's listened to the business person. And he's become a social entrepreneur. He put the two together. Bear love it. The people on the street love it. Lady comes home. She's driving her car. Her friend says, where'd you get that car? She says, I got a job. She says, how'd you get a job? 
we've grown up in the same poor neighborhood in Pittsburgh. How'd you get a job? She says, I went down to Manchester Training Center, and they trained me. She says, what do you have? You didn't graduate from high school. No, they helped me get my high school. Then they gave me this course. Well, where are you working? I'm working for Bayer. I make 30 bucks an hour. She goes, what? How'd you do that? He said, I went down there and got trained. So she goes down and gets training every year. 450 youth, 450 other people graduate and go to work. Then he went to the government and said, you know what? Here's what's happening. I'm taking people that are on welfare. I'm taking people that are in the court systems, and I'm putting them to work for a company like Bayer, and we're training them for 52 weeks. I'll make you a deal. I'll train them for 52 weeks. I'll put them in the company for 30 days. If that company says they're a good employee, then I want you, I want you to pay us for the training we just gave them. Would, would that be agreeable to you? I've delivered the product. Would you pay for it? The state said, yes, that's a good deal. We'll save a lot of money if you do that. So the state ends up paying for their training. How did that happen? How do you change a city? How do you change a family? How do you change a business? starts by listening. You have to listen to what the people are saying. Listening will increase your knowledge. Mark 4.24, Jesus went on to say, pay attention to what you listen to. Have you walked down the street here? Georgia, Robson, walked through the mall. Almost everybody's got earphones in these days. They're listening to something. Who knows why? You sit on a plane, you hear all these different noises and they got the earphones on, everybody's in their own little world and doing a little dance, you know. They're, they're, I don't know what they're listening to, but they're listening to something. Well, Jesus is saying to us, pay attention to what you listen to, because what you listen to really determines what gets into your heart, the way you're going to live, the way you're going to be blessed. Pay attention to what you listen to. Knowledge will be measured out to you by the measure of attention you give. This is the way knowledge increases. By the way we listen. There is a world around us that wants us, that's waiting for somebody to listen. Listening is a key to helping others, sharing the love of Christ. Jesus gave his disciples instructions and he sent them out to listen. You have neighbors, you have friends, you have people in your work world today, in your family, that are waiting for you to listen. We can't help everybody. We're finite. But I promise you, there's somebody in your world that if you listen to them, it's going to change their world. Watch this little video clip. Help explain it. If you're at the banquet, you've already seen it. It's good to refresh ourselves. Let's watch it again on the importance and power of listening. Well 
powerful little video clip ask the question are you listening our community is asking the question are you listening the family members asking are you listening and we can be the answer be the answer first of all we have to listen vertically tune in with god have something to give but then be listening to others around us and again we can't listen to everybody we're, we're not God. We're finite. But there are some people. There are those in our life that we can listen to and make a difference. The Lord in Luke chapter 10 sends out his disciples. They'd been with him. He taught them. He instructed them. They'd been listening to him. They'd been planted on good soil. And then he sends them out. And he sends them out. And really, when you look at Luke chapter 10, you see that he sends them out to listen first. Follow me in Luke chapter 10, 79. It's in your notes. And he says to them, keep in that same house, taking what food and drink they give you, for the worker has a right to his reward. Do not go from house to house. 
And into whatever town you go, if they take you in, take whatever food is given to you. And make well those in it who are ill and say to them, the kingdom of God is near to you. Let's just unpack this for a bit, break it down. Here's the application. Number one, Jesus is saying, go to where the people are. He says, go to their house. And he says, don't go from house to house. Go to the house and, and build a relationship with them. Go to their house. Go to where they are. It may be their home. It may be wherever they meet. It's something about going to somebody's house. So isn't it? If you go to your home, then you really get to know that person. I may meet you in a restaurant and get to know you a little bit. But if I meet you in a house, your house, you make a meal for me, I know a lot more about you. There's something about meeting in somebody's home. And typically, you don't go to somebody's home until you've gotten to know them, until you've listened to them, you've understood them, relationship has been built. And so he said, go to people's homes. And then he said, secondly, extend friendship to them, love them, enjoy a meal together. And this typically doesn't happen unless we're listening. And in, in the mealtime, especially in that culture where they were talking about, there was listening, there was uh, they didn't just eat and run back to the television set or run and get the paper. It was their life. They, they talked around that mealtime. It was a time of communication and fellowship and, and listening. So they were listening to the people. And then he said, heal those who are sick. Well, we can't heal somebody who's sick or find out where they're hurting unless we've first been listening to them. Haven't you found it true that people don't typically tell you their deep hurt until you've listened to them for a while? Why do you have to listen for a while before they share that? Because they want to know, can I trust this person with my hurt? I want you to listen. And sometimes people, they're just, they're only giving you a little bit and they're just saying, and sometimes if you feel like they're even pushing you a bit, but inside it's this cry, would you just listen to me? There is something inside me that I need you to help me with. This is, sometimes we need, a, we need a, a poetry, a piece of a poetry to get over it. Sometimes we express it through something else. But there's, there's a pain inside that only Jesus can heal. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And Jesus, in 2009, weeps over Vancouver. Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem. And God's putting in our heart, church, a compassion for the city. But the city is people. It's not buildings. It's people. Like you and me, like our neighbors, like our fellow workers, our family members. And if we want to bring greater things to our city, we have to listen. Get our ear to the ground, say, what's happening? And then lastly, he says, preach the kingdom to them. Church, sometimes I think we got it backwards, ourselves included, the church as a whole. Because we went there and said, here's the package. Jesus is the answer. They go, answer to what? I'm going through a divorce. Answer to what? My company's going bankrupt. Answer to what? I flunked my tests. I don't know if I need you, Jesus. I just need to get my marriage back together. I need my kids on drugs. But we've come. We've just we've step, done step four, those steps one, two, and three, without stopping and listening. Listen. The way you listen. Listen to God, the way you listen to others. I think sometimes as Christians, we've, we've, been, we've presented the answer without first listening to the need and the hurt that's in somebody. In Dan in Real Life, it's kind of a fun movie, Dan's got a problem, and Marie listens. I want to show this little clip, and then we're going to run through 10 quick points on how to listen. You would have learned these in grade school probably, but we'll run through them again. Here's 10 quick points after this clip. Now watch how she listens in this clip to somebody who has a need. So Dan. Yes. You were born? I was born like everybody else. I grew up like everybody else. Good. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, what else? Oh, school? 
And I had a Bonanza lunch pail. <laughs> this show, the 60s, a TV show. When I was 10, I wanted to be a magician. So I used to hold these magic shows for all the kids in the neighborhood. I tried to make a neighborhood girl levitate, and she didn't. And it involved um, a body cast and several stitches. <laughs> <laughs> in my life um, and this is really hard for me to say <laughs> and then she got um, sick and um, then she was gone and uh, it's taken a while we should probably talk about something else so you're telling me that you're one of those widowers with three daughters who preys on unsuspecting women in bookstores? It seems that would be me. Been there. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems that it's been seriously hard. No. Um, no, we're, we're okay now. We're really okay. Better than the alternative. It's good. Just a little snapshot. Do you see the way she listened? First of all, when you listen, you, there's, there's a window of opportunity when somebody will share. Sometimes your kids will talk to you when they get off the school bus or come home from work or before you tuck them into bed. They'll want to share. And if you don't seize a window, you can miss it. A lot of listening is being there at the right time and being willing just to stop and to listen at the right moment. Sometimes a spouse will just, there's a place where she'll share or he'll share their heart and you have to be willing to listen at that time. If your child says before you go to bed, you know what, Daddy, I want to tell you something. So, you know, I can't, I got to watch the news right now. We're in the third period of the Canucks and I know it's going into overtime. I got to watch a shootout. I'll catch you tomorrow. You just missed a window of opportunity. Catch it on the replay. There's these windows of opportunity, and she, she seizes a window of opportunity to have him speak, and he gets to the heart of it. He doesn't come right away. It takes some time, and when, you, when you're telling about your pain and you want somebody to listen, it takes some time, doesn't it? You don't, kind of, can't just get to the bottom line. There's, there's trust. It kind of takes a while to percolate out. You have to look at the speaker and listen attentively. Do you see her? She was looking and listening attentively. She, you know, she's, she's engaging. She's not drifting around somewhere, distracted. You know, I wonder when this is going to be over. You know, she's, she's engaging. There's, there's skill in listening. Smiling, nodding, small verbal comments will help. Remember, you listen with your face as well as your ears. Blogging doesn't replace face-to-face. -face. I threw that little note in there, I think, for your notes. Because we, we live in a society today, we, we listen by blogging, you know. And, but it doesn't, it, it's not a good way to communicate. It's a good tool, I suppose. It, it helps us communicate, but it, it doesn't really help us when we want to listen to somebody's hurt. In November, New York Times had an article about a man, Abraham Biggs, a young man, 19 years of age. He had posted 2,300 messages on this message board, blogging there, telling people about where his life was. People were listening, but nobody was really listening. They were blogging, but not listening. 
And his last post was, he said, watch me while I, while I overdose, I'm going to commit suicide. And with the world watching on the World Wide Web, he committed suicide. Some were texting while he did it, LOL, laugh out loud, encouraging him to do it. The police arrived and the world watched him come to a dead person because it was all videotaped. And they, they asked people about it. They said, what, what's going on? And, you know, what's missing is compassion misses. You, you, you can't express the compassion. You, you can't, you hide behind that wall and the real emotion and care and love and listening skills. You can't do it blogging. It's, it's fine to have it as a tool, but to listen and to make a change, you, you need to be face-to-face engaging that person. We listen vertically. We listen horizontally. Quite honestly, church, some of us are going too fast. We're not even hearing the people God wants us to listen to that are in our lives. And he's counting on you. He doesn't have somebody else. You're the one he sent. You're in that family. You're in that job. You're on that street. You got somebody who slams their door every time they go into that apartment. They're in and out, and they're yelling and they're screaming. They want attention. It's like a kid pouting. Notice me. What's your assignment? Develop a relationship Get to know them to a point where they will share their heart, listen to them, do Luke chapter 10, listen to them, and then tell them the kingdom of God is near you. There is a God who cares for you. There is a God who heals you. There is a God who will set you free. Let me introduce you to Jesus. How long will that take, Pastor? It might take a year. It might not happen if you started now until December of 2009. But for that one, that's how we will bring change. That's how greater things will happen in our city. We have to begin by listening. Greater things will happen when we listen. Put aside distracting thoughts. Ask questions. Clarify the point. Protect the conversation from interruptions. Turn off your cell phone. Allow the speaker to finish. Don't interrupt with your quick fix. Have I got a verse for you? Here it is. It's maybe not time for your verse. Wait, wait for your favorite verses. Give it to them later. They may not be ready for your verse. Or sometimes we, when we're listening, say, oh, you think that's bad. You went, oh, man, you should have seen what I went through. That's nothing compared to what I went through. As soon as you said that, guess what? That person just shut it down. Not sharing any more here. So the way we listen is important. Treat the other person with respect. Finish before you finish listening before you speak. That's a good point. Be honest, open in your response. Number nine, offer to help them. Now hear this one. But don't overcommit yourself. Because some people, when you listen to them, I mean they will. They will talk till the cows come home. It'll be three years from now. They're still talking. So sometimes you just have to say, you know, now we're approaching this from one side of the mountain today, okay? The other side of it is there's boundaries you have to set and say, you know what? Let's sit down and chat. I have an hour or I have half an hour. Let's sit down and talk. But what you've done is you've set the boundaries because they may go on and on and on. And you you, you want to let them know that you have boundaries as well. And you can't help everybody. Sometimes you need to listen and say, you know what? I can't help you, but let me refer you to somebody who can help you. I'm, that's not my area, but I know somebody who could. So don't overcommit yourself because then you can just add more pain to their pain. Then number 10, if they're open and ready, pray for them. And if they won't receive prayer and they're not ready, well, then pray for them in your prayer closet. And let's believe God for greater things in our city in 2009. How will that happen? 
listening vertically and listening to others around us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.